Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm on Facebook. I love the smell of my cup in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want to gain another yard. 620-CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We really do appreciate it. It is ballsy here in the big chair. As I'm in for one day, I'm supposed to be on holidays, but Zinger uh, had some family stuff, obviously, with regards to Christmas out of town, and then he had to hustle back because he had uh, the death of a friend here over Christmas, and he was going to the funeral, so, of course, we're uh, stepping in for Zinger because he and I are teammates. Now, Sean did a great job putting together all these episodes. We call it the uh, Sports Cage Rewind, Sports Cage Year in Review. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to get to some of the great things that we did during the year. It was a awesome first year working with Zinger here on the Sports Cage. And, of course, you Sports Cage shareholders were very much a part of it. We are live in studio. At least I am. I'm the only one in the building. I am the only one in the building. They got this TV up here on the wall. I'd love to watch sports, but... It's got like the fire burning over the logs, and I don't know how to switch it off. So, uh, But I do know what's going on in the world of sports. How about the World Junior Hockey Championship yesterday? Canada, a bunch of showboaters. A bunch of showboating BS wearing ugly uniforms. Those look like 1985 practice jerseys. Just awful. Uh, they play Germany next. Uh, I will say, though, Connor Bedard, even though he was in the ugly jersey, looked good. He looks like the first overall pick in the upcoming draft. But Bedard and his teammates can just stop with the lacrosse move. You're playing hockey, not lacrosse. You look like a bunch of showboating fools. You deserve to lose to Czechia. Hopefully it's a wake-up call. Today, Finland over Slovakia, 5-2. Sweden top Germany, 1-0. Canada will play the Germans next. And that game will go down on Wednesday. And, of course, we'll have the updates with Zinger in uh, the week. Um, all right, the Spangler Cup. I'm trying to get a score. Does anybody care about the Spangler Cup? I didn't think so. Who cares? Um, NHL, Battle of Alberta tonight. Oilers at Calgary. Third and final meeting of the season before the calendar flips. The series is tied at one apiece, so this will be a big early season game. Right now, if the playoffs started, Calgary would be in the playoffs, and the Oilers would not. Calgary has less wins than Edmonton, but they've got more loser points. Should be an interesting game tonight. Boston's at Ottawa. Toronto begins the second half after Christmas. At St. Louis, Minnie at Winnipeg.
Winnipeg, San Jose at Vancouver. Canucks trying to scramble back in the playoff race. WHL seven games, including the Blades, home to PA. Pats are back from their Christmas break tomorrow, hosting Brandon. SJHL is off till the new year. Uh, Kean Schaefer Baker of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders continues his NFL workouts. He worked out for the Denver Broncos along with Winnipeg defensive back Canadian Terrell Ford. They worked out for the Broncos. For Baker, he has worked out for the Broncos, Colts, Jags, Steelers, Bucks, Raiders, and Vikings so far. Speaking of the Broncos, uh, they fired their head coach Nathaniel Hackett over the break here. Uh, his team got bombed 51-14 by the lowly Rams at SoFi on Sunday. Now, he's the second coach since 1978 not to make it out of his first season in the NFL. The other was that clown and phony Urban Meyer from uh, the Jags. Uh, Broncos, though, their GM, George Patton, thinks Russell Wilson is fixable. <laughs> hey, bartender, I'll have what Patton's drinking. He ain't fixable. They say that, you know, Russ went there to cook. It looks to me like Russell Wilson is cooked. What a mess. Uh, Chargers, my team, clinched the playoff spot. They're first since 2018. Second time they've made it to the postseason since 2014. They uh, beat the Colts yesterday in Monday Night Football in a sleepy game, 20-3. to Now the Chargers, it's great they made the playoffs, but right now they're headed for a first-round matchup versus either the Bengals, yuck, or the Jags, who smoked them early on in week three in the NFL season when both uh, Joey Bosa, their rush end, and Rashawn Slater went down to injury. Both those guys could be back for the playoffs, so... Well, I think Slater actually can't. He was placed on season-ending IR, but Bosa's supposed to practice, so uh, stay tuned for that. That should be interesting. Uh, NFL power rankings, I just jotted down who I think the... uh, best teams are. At number 10 I got the Ravens. They've been stumbling. Of course, uh, Lamar Jackson's been hurt, but they're still in the mix. Chargers at 9. Jags at 8. Vikings at 7. How about them Cowboys? I got them at 6. Number 5 in my power rankings, the Eagles. Number 4, the Buffalo Bills. Number 3, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers, and I think the best team in the NFL right now, uh, headed down the backstretch, the Cincinnati Bengals. At 5 o'clock, we'll have, or right around 5 o'clock, we'll have our big announcement that I've been talking about for a couple of weeks here on the Sports Cage, so make sure you tune in. Now, this is the place to get all the great guests. We have a big Rolodex of people that join us on the show on a weekly basis, kind of like I've said when I took the show over, like a ballsy and friends type of deal. I don't really have any co-hosts. I don't rely on co-hosts. I rely on you, the Sports Cage shareholder, and I rely on our great guests. Now, this show today brought to you by, as it is on each um, Tuesday, for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can always text me if you're out there listening. We appreciate your input to know you're listening. Otherwise, I could just uh, roll all the interviews. I don't have to intro them. And our text line is powered by our friends at uh, Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, the number one GM dealership in the province. You can check them out the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. All right, so let us get to our first guest. And all our guests join you on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. And uh, our guest, the first one here in our 
Uh, I believe it's uh, episode number, I want to say, I lost track. I wasn't really paying attention. Zinger did all these. Either six or seven. Anyways, this is the Sports Cage in review. And this guest, Jordan Eberle, joined us a day after the Kraken won 4-1 over Dallas, April 3rd of this past year. And uh, here's Jordan Eberle. By the way, the Kraken having a good early season start here to the uh, 2022-2023 campaign. We're here in this interview talking about 2021-2022. Here's Jordan Eberle. Joining me on the phone all the way from Seattle is Jordan Eberle of the Seattle Kraken coming off a 4-1 victory over the Dallas Stars. Uh, Jordan, thanks for joining us uh, early morning after a, a night of hockey. Uh, how's the body feeling as you get up there in age? <laughs> um, it's it's a little stiff, but it's it's good. I still feel like I got uh, a lot of years in me. It's uh, I mean, it makes it a little easier to get up when you got the little one too. So mm-hmm. uh, the mornings are a little quicker. They come a little quicker. How old's the little one now? Uh, she's two. That's funny, hey. It's you probably have to double uh, double clutch when guys ask you to go out for supper and a drink after the game. You're like, hey, you know what? I got a two year old at home. I got to go home. Uh, she's gonna get up. That my kid's gonna get up in the morning. Doesn't matter what time I get home. Yeah, it, the, things definitely change a little bit as you get older. But um, yeah, it was a big win for us last night, and we got a couple days to, to rest, and then we we're back on the road. I think we have. 13 some games left and then uh you know it'll be the end of the year yeah so uh when you when you win a game like that you're not in the playoffs but you win a game like that against a team fighting for the playoffs can you can you kind of relish in that moment a little bit yeah i mean obviously the scenario we're in, it's 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 tough um you know especially as i get older i mean you only get so many shots to go at a cup and to not even have a chance this year, it's, it's been hard. The last 20, 30 games has been really tough. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you're playing teams like Vegas, we just finished playing before them. And then, obviously, Dallas, who's fighting for a spot. Um, you know, you want to you wanna try and, you know, mess up their playoff hopes. I think those are the things you get, those little things you get to try and find to, to play for because, obviously, your situation, you're out of it. So, um, you know, when you can come away, and especially this this crowd in Seattle, they've kind of they've been amazing all year. And to you know to win one on a weekend from it was uh, it was a good night last night. So the energy stayed consistent with the crowd. It hasn't waned, even though the records kind of slipped. Because you know Vegas has ruined it for everybody with regards to expansion <laughs> hockey, right? Yeah, you know what we had definitely the. Um, the shadow of their their inaugural season. I mean, making it to the Cup final. I mean, we wanted to try and create our own history. If you look at the history of expansion teams, and um, you know, Vegas was way above. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've had to deal with that all year, and, and, and obviously things haven't gone well. We've had we've had some issues with injuries and um, you know other problems. But I mean, the crowd's been great all year. They've they've really reveled behind this team and, and um, you know supported us throughout it all. Have you been a vocal leader wearing that A on your chest? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to talk a little bit. I've always tried to just lead by example. But, uh, you know, you get up in age, guys start listening a little more. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, having the experience of making all the conference final last year. And then, obviously, Gord from our team, who's got a couple cups. And uh, Schwartzy as well. I mean, we did, we did, we got some guys who've been, been through it all. But, um, you know, it's a matter of trying to put it all together. What's your future look like in Seattle? How do you feel about it? Do you feel like you're entrenched there? Like, I know you said you got some uh, gas left in the tank. Your stats would suggest that. You're an assistant captain on that team. But you never know with an expansion team and, and what plans are going forward. 
Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, we, we traded four or five guys at the deadline, got all picks. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see with the direction we go. Um, you know, I think with with the team here and the ownership group, I know they want to win right away. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, those picks turned into players this summer and, um, you know, that cap space filled. So, you know, it could be a different looking roster next year and we could add, you know, quite really good players. So, um, you know, the, the, be- the best thing with the NHL is, you know, when you're losing, um, it's such a fine line between winning and losing. And once you get over that line, um, you, do, you just got to get into the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. Is there something about Seattle, the city, the surroundings you appreciate now that you didn't even know about before you got there? Um, well, I mean, the weather's starting to clear up, so, you know, the <laughs> views are starting to get nice, which, <laughs> you know, I, early on in the year it rained a lot. But, yeah, it's, I, I've really enjoyed the city. Um you know, the, from the mountains, the lakes, my wife, she's loved going hiking. Um, just the, the people around the city that live in downtown in the market. Uh, you know what? Everything about it's been great so far. I heard there's this tourist attraction called the Gum Wall. Is that <laughs> is that a thing? What is the Gum Wall? Yeah, uh, it's at the, the Pike Place Market. I think what it was was um, used to be an old school theater, and then people weren't allowed to chew gum during the show, so they would come out and put their gum on the wall and I think it just kept sticking. But yeah, there's a wall. I don't know how long it is, but it's just full of full of full gum. <laughs> why why is it one of your goaltenders nicknamed the gum wall? <laughs> That's a good question. I'll have to bring that up. Yeah, you should bring that up in the locker room. Call him the gum wall, man. Or Grubauer the <laughs> gum wall or something, whatever. That's that's pretty funny. Hey, uh, Jordan, uh, are you surprised your old team, the New York Islanders, has struggled? They'd be the biggest surprise to me that they, you know, maybe it's the Jordan Eberle factor, but the Islanders certainly haven't been uh, what they were the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they've had, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of different circumstances of them go down. I mean, they started the year on a 13 game road, uh, road trip, which, you know, it's, it's, that's always tough. And they went through a bunch of COVID problems. They've had injuries. Um, you know, I just haven't seemed to get it going. I've talked to a few guys there and haven't, I mean, I haven't got the total skill, watched them quite a bit, but, um, I think they're starting to play a little bit better now. And, um, you know, that it, it is tough when you go back to that conference finals. Um, yeah, and then you, you miss the playoffs. It's, uh, I mean, it's obviously tough, but I, I think, like I said, you look at their the things that they've had to go through. Um, you know, it was a tough, tough go for them right off the bat. You no, know, your a uh, couple of your buddies were lighting it up yesterday in Anaheim with the Oilers. One of them, Leon Drysidel, hurt his leg on like one of the very first shifts in the first period. Refused to go back to the locker room, even though they had a three goal lead. Scores his fiftieth. I know you wouldn't have watched it because you were playing in your own game. But just talk about how I thought that kid coming out of junior hockey would have been a you know he is a great passer, but I never took him for a fifty goal scorer. And the one he scored on one leg from one knee over by the boards, like that kid can shoot. Yeah, I mean, he really can. And, you know, he's playing with one of the best passers in the game, so he just got to get open. Um, yeah, I mean, both those guys together, they're, they're special. They play, um, you know, they're almost in sync out there now, too. They've played with each other so much that they, they know where each other's going to be. And when you, they both have just elite talent, different kind of players, but both elite. So, um, you know, it's pretty amazing to see what they're doing there. I mean, Leon, I think he told me one time that he's a pass-first guy who scores 50, so, and he's probably not wrong. And the, and the other guy he's playing with is the pass-first guy who, who scores 40. So, they're, they're, I mean, together they're just, you know, unstoppable. Hey, so uh, you're a great shooter, too. There's a guy who 
Made his money being a great shooter, Mike Bossy, who's in palliative care in Quebec battling lung cancer. Now, I know you didn't grow up with Mike Bossy, but you have an appreciation of hockey, and that guy was a right-handed shot who could get the puck away in a hurry like you. Yeah, um, a lot of those old guys in the aisle. I mean, they were around in um, in Long Island, too. I mean, I got to go know Clark Gillies pretty well, and, and himself, and Trotche, and, and you know, a lot of them. So, I mean, they're, uh, they were... They, kept themselves uh, available for us to talk to just about winning and, and, and they'd always came back to the out. So, um, you know, it's really tough to see that. And, and, and going back to Mike Boss, I think he's one of the best pure goal scorers there ever was. I mean, you look at the games played and how many goals he scored. Mike Bossy, I mean, he's right up there with one of the top goal scorers of all time. He's, we look at his stats and you look at the way that, uh, how many goals he scored in the amount of games he played is, is pretty impressive. So, um, those guys always made themselves available in, in Long Island for us and, and to talk to and, and, uh, got to know him a little bit and, and uh, you know uh, nothing but uh, good things to say mm-hmm. Jordan lastly we talk about travel I know I talked to you very early in the season so you were just kind of embarking on it you did it with the Oilers back in the day uh, then you went to the east where you're in your bed most nights what's it like being back out on the left coast now and having to travel a lot yeah it's it's a lot different um, you know in the metropolitan division in Long Island we were in our beds you know, at midnight at the latest, most times the flights were pretty short. So a little different here. Um, it's just a matter of trying to maintain your rest and, and keep up. Cause I mean, it's a grueling season. I think we've, even this month we've we have 15 games in about 27 days or something like that. So, um, you got to try and get your rest when you can and the travel doesn't make it easy. One of the best goals ever in Canadian history was 2009. Your backhander, 2010, Regina and Saskatoon and surrounding area hosted the uh, World Juniors. And, and, of course, you guys went on to lose, unfortunately, in Saskatoon to the U.S. Regina's bidding again, again with Saskatoon. Just lastly, talk about how cool of an experience that is and would be again for those centers and, and some of the other towns that might be involved. Yeah, I was really lucky. I got to obviously play in one in my home province, which was really, really cool. Um, and to play both in Canada. But yeah, they're just, I mean, for a Canadian kid, they're a great experience. I mean, you get a, you dream of playing in that tournament and I got a chance to do it twice in Canada. And, and, uh, you know, I got nothing but good things to say about, yeah, both those tournaments that they kind of, you know, propelled me into making the NHL. Well, you know what, man? Uh, we're glad you made the NHL, and I'm glad you always take my call. Thanks very much, man. Enjoy the young family, and enjoy the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's a interview we had with Jordan Eberle of the Seattle Kraken, former Regina Pat great, former Team Canada great. And at the end of the interview, we talked about Regina and Saskatoon bidding for the World Junior Hockey Championship. They would lose out to Halifax, Canada, playing their first game yesterday, losing to Czechia, as they call them now, 5-2. to two. Poor goaltending, poor defensive play, too much cockiness there in ugly uniforms. Let's hope Canada gets things righted tomorrow against Germany, who lost today, I believe, to Finland, one to nothing. This is the Sports Cage Year in Review, and today's show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, here on 620. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Cage Year in Review. Ballsy at the corner of 12th and Rose. Be 
Careful out there. We got some freezing rain in the area from Kindersley all the way down to Mooseman. So if you're traveling, be safe. Texas 936-6262. Any road updates? Got this text from Steve. Steve says, Hey Ballsy, Steve Ryan, John's brother. Those uh Team Canada unis are mint. Socks are poor, but the jerseys are mint. Totally disagree, Steve. Totally disagree. Awful. Awful, awful. Also, uh, got this from uh, Kelly McShane. Hey, Ballsy, congratulations on your Chargers making the playoffs. Kelly's a Dolphins fan. I wish your team well, although Tua Tungavailoa has concussion issues again. Maybe that's why he threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter in that loss to the Green Bay Packers. Okay, once a month on this show, we highlight Indigenous athletes, coaches, or builders. It's the Indigenous Sports Spotlight. If you'd like to sponsor it, get a hold of our uh, sales staff, 306-546-6200. It's a great feature. And uh, one of the great Indigenous athletes and builders and coaches, Wavell Star, caught up with us. Indigenous Sports Personalities. We're calling this the Indigenous Sports Personality of the month, okay? Could be a player, could be a coach, could be a builder. In this case, it's my former Regina Rams teammate and wrestler, Wavel Starr, who is, how old are you now, Wavel? Hey, hey, I am 48 years old, my friend. You should. Have you seen pictures of this guy, Zinger? I have. Unbe- he's got veins in his quads. Like I he remember. Looked, I remember he. he uh, yeah, Wavell he was in the WWE for a bit. Yeah, I, he was. A, he, yeah, a, a, a short cup of coffee there. He was in a couple of dark matches, like you know, before they go to TV. I don't know mm-hmm. if he. I think he made one on TV. Did you make one on TV? He's here. We could ask yeah, him. I've done, I've done heat several times. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've done. I've done heat like three or four times. A Sunday day. night heat. Vol- yep. vol- yeah, and and velocity was the was the pre show before yeah. uh, Smack down so i did both of those uh several times and then i also did the dark matches honestly i i really like doing the dark matches even though you don't have the video of it uh to be the very first person to come out the curtain that counts for something even if they don't know who you are everybody let every head turns like as soon as you walk as soon as you walk through that curtain you just see every head turn towards you and that's something else wow you are you are a good man, and you're still doing it. I thought you were going to give it up. Like I thought you were going to be behind the scenes with organizing and writing shows and choreographing, but why are you still doing it? <laughs> that was the plan, and uh, everything was going good. And, and then I guess part of it is that I've been doing the hockey dad thing for uh, several years and uh, was even you know coaching here at Hockey Regina for a couple of years right there before the pandemic. So that really took over. It's quite a big commitment uh, to do that with all the practices and the games and then plus my full-time uh, gig here as well, right? Mm. Uh, so it just I was too busy to really do anything. And then uh, now my son is playing for Indigenous Sports Academy to be out of Saskatoon, yeah. and uh, so of course uh, I don't. I spend more time watching them online, uh, you know, their games uh, online than I, you know, get to watch in person because they're traveling all over the place. Uh, so basically, I went from being having absolutely no time uh, to, to feeling like a fish out of water. So I started. I, I first thing I did was uh, get more uh, focused on my working out and and my cardio. I realized that after the pandemic. 
the aging thing, working out and, and all that stuff is great with the lifting weights and even with the dieting, you can look great. Um, but no matter how good you might look in, in the mirror, like when you, well, the real test is when you start walking those stairs or when you get a jog or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I realized at my age that uh, my cardiovascular um, it was going down, so I needed to work on that. And then also, Ballsy, I'll tell you, man, the mobility. And, and and honestly, it was mostly from complacency, man. You know, you, you work that gig, you know, whatever it is, eight till five, and uh, you know, you, you get busy with your career and you know, whatever it is. And uh, with the complacency, you don't necessarily push yourself uh, in those areas that, that you should, like such as mobility and the cardio. Yeah. So basically, long story short, I was a fish out of water, and I just kind of started to get hungry again. <laughs> yeah. Once they start work, once they start working out more, yeah. and uh, and then of course, uh, you know, bringing us to here today. Uh, there's a couple of really good opportunities. So, so first of all, uh, I, I when I first started wrestling, I hooked up with Tony Candelo, and that's where I got some of my first breaks uh, wrestling up north uh, on the infamous Death Tours um, for Tony Candelo, and he has uh, taken the uh, chance. I would say at 48 years old for him to put his heavyweight title on me, uh, I take that as a bad, uh, badge of honor. So I, I decided I'm taking this seriously uh, while I'm doing this. Okay. I'm going to do that death tour one more time. And I got <laughs> you. I got you on for a reason. I'm going to let Zinger ask you a question in a second, but I got I yeah. got you on for a reason because you were at a very uh, yeah. <clears throat> monumental place in a cool weekend. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is the second reason that I was getting to. Uh, I heard about this a long time ago because these kinds of shows, they don't just happen out of the blue. There's a lot of planning uh, that goes uh, behind the scenes. So I had been made aware that uh, the infamous venue where Stampede Wrestling, uh, what some of our generation grew up on here, uh, that they were going to have a couple of wrestling shows there. And I tell you, I have wrestled in that venue maybe three or four times in my 20-some year career, and when I heard that I had the opportunity to wrestle there again, uh, then that just sparked my interest. And initially, I was supposed to wrestle with Teddy Hart, so I was I was scared, honestly, because <laughs> knowing my my cardiovascular condition, so I like I immediately started doing you know the high intensity sprints in the gym and stuff. Uh, but you know, with you know things happened or whatever politics happened and schedules and uh, didn't work out that Teddy was uh, was not able to come. So I ended up working up with, working with uh, another young fella who's up and coming uh, out of Red Deer, and uh, we ended up putting the strap on him. Uh, and he was uh, a hell of a he's a hell of a talent, and he went over in the main event on uh, the son of Gamma Singh. Uh, oh. his, name is Ra- his name is Raj. And he came out with uh, Abu Izal, who was the manager of the Crotchy Vice at the time. Uh, and they were uh, baby faces. Uh, so it was pretty cool. It was re- it was really cool to witness. Tell me about Davy Boy's nephew. Davy Boy, is it his nephew or Dynamite. his son? Dynamite. Dynamite. Dynamite's nephew or son? Yeah, that, I need. I texted you about this because I knew you would appreciate this, and I had to tell somebody, man. I had to tell somebody for what I witnessed. And you know, when you when, you know when you see a star, uh, you know, like when you're at the rink and you see a young guy skate, and you think, "Wow, this guy's gonna make the NHL." Uh, I was there, and I met this kid, and I knew who he was from my friend Bronwyn. That's Dynamite's daughter, and uh, this kid has been wrestling for not very long. But I saw pictures, and when I met him in person, I thought, "Wow, he looks exactly like uh, the Dynamite kid, just a younger version." Uh, and he actually wrestles as Tom Billington, which is the Dynamite mm-hmm. Kid's name. 
Uh, and uh, so he, he not only looks like him, but he has the exact same mannerisms as him. Wow. Likely in his DNA, right? So you take that, and then he also, you know, he wears the same kind of, uh, the same gear that Dynamite used to wear back in Stampede, like not the British Bulldog gear, yeah. but the but the Dynamite kid gear from Stampede with like the stripes on the socks and the knee pads over the tights. And he looks just like him. And when he came walking out in that arena, I swear, I swear that there's some sort of a, an energy that was in that building that uh, if you're really a fan uh, or, or really intuitive that you would pick it up. And it was the, the combination of this kid with his natural gifts and his charisma in this venue that that had so much energy from wrestling heritage and, and, and all of the, the energy from, from, the, from the wrestling uh, historical battles that have went on over time. And I tell you, I, I went out and I usually don't because I'm old school and you're not supposed to go out in the in the venue to watch but I I broke that rule so I could go out and I sat at the very top uh, at the very top of the pavilion and I watched and I took it all in and I, I swear I could feel those those good wrestling energy ghosts in that building and, all right. and, and everybody that was there they, he got a standing ovation and uh, in fact if people were chanting dynamite and just randomly yelling out dynamite while he was nice yeah. yes so anybody like our age or, or, or above, you could like it was. They were feeling the. They were. It was right in the childhood. Nice. Hey, <laughs> and, hey, and, I, hey. and I sent you a picture, Paul. Yeah. Well, people were like hugging. It yeah, it's awesome. Okay, <laughs> we got about a forty-five seconds. Zinger wants to ask you a question, though. Yeah, yeah. a big wrestling fan growing up. I want to say it was like. 2003. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember one match on Heat. You were wrestling Tajiri. Um, first of all, am I right on that? And second of all, yeah. my second part: uh, Who was your favorite wrestler to wrestle with, uh, wrestle with, or work with in the WWE? It would have been Tajiri, I would say, because he was the most uh, down to earth, and he didn't try to formulate any of my offense. Uh, when we were uh, getting together to talk about the match ahead of time, uh, he just he said, "Go ahead and do your stuff," and he didn't try to hold me back. And, and in fact, he tried to make me look really good. And he came up and asked me after w what kind of feedback I got from the agents, uh, and you know what what the, the chances were of, of getting me a job there because that's what he was trying to do. So, uh, so that was I'd have to say him. Uh, although there were several uh, several other opportunities uh, of guys that I wrestled from up there that I really learned a lot from. Uh, but in terms of, of helping out uh, I, I would say him because he really he didn't treat me like I was there to like what they call the perennial jobber he didn't treat me like a jobber he, he treated me like a professional and, and like he wanted to make me look good which which of course maybe was counterproductive to what the producers maybe wanted but hey I'm the rookie there and I just listened to the veteran mm -hmm. and that's what he chose to do and uh, I was fortunate uh, for that and a few other times as well this guy made me look good in a couple of wrestling events he's a great guy the First Nation <laughs> sensation Wavel star Wavel thanks for this man you're in our inaugural we're going to do this once a month, uh, Indigenous Sports Personality of the Month, well, all the way from the amateurs to, to guys like this, guys like you, and you can help me line this up too because I know you got some I guys. Sure will. Thanks, man. I sure will. Appreciate your time, man. Take care. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. That's Wavel. 822. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Michael Wall back in studio, the corner of 12th and Rose. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. Now, it wasn't a great year for the Rough Riders hosting the Grey Cup. Uh, cleaned out most of their offensive coaching staff. Do I agree with it? I don't know. But, hey, we're moving on to bigger and better things in 2023. It will be a season of change and hopefully the uh, record has changed because the Rough Riders were
were uh, well, they were a disaster, finishing six and twelve and missing the playoffs. But there were some highlights. Sean Kleisinger did a great job putting together our twenty twenty two top ten Reiner plays. Let's roll it. Number 10, Saturday, July 2nd, at home versus Montreal. Out of the hold of Vedvik, the snap, the hold, the kick is on the way. This one's got the distance. It's gone! Brad Lothar said I missed one, but I made that one. Number 9. Saturday, July 2nd at home versus Montreal. And Cody's going to throw to the backfield. Kean's got it far side. 35, Kean 30, 20, 10, 5. Is he in? Touchdown! Saskatchewan! Number 8, Saturday, August 13th at Edmonton. Alfred at his 12. Outside there, inside the numbers, 30, 35. He's to the fourth. Oh. Look out. He could be gone. Midfield, 50, 45, 40. He's going to go. Mario Alfred all the way home. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Oh, it's just one of them plays, uh, Coach, uh, one of our favorite plays, return plays, I say, and uh, we executed it well. Guys blocked well, and I just made the right read, and, and they ended in a, in a score. Number seven, Saturday, September 10th, Labor Day rematch at Winnipeg. Here's the kickoff down to Elford. Takes it in his belly at the 20, running to his left across the 25, 30, 35, trying to go outside the numbers, 40, 45, 50. He's on the run, past Legio, far sideline. He's got a score. Mario Alford all the way home. 90 yards. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. You saw um, I mean, I fought, I fought it today. I was, I was not feeling well um, since this morning. Came in, I had doubts of not playing, but I played and I, and I fought, so um, I'm, I'm okay now. Number six. Friday, August 26th at BC. He motions over to the right, does Hardy. Second and 10, Cody backpedals, throws off his back foot, down the middle. Key has got it, 50, 40, he's in the clear. 20, 10, touchdown, Saskatchewan. Hey, Luke. We got ourselves some chicken. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's something we were looking over all week over in film and practice as soon as we got that zero and I had a post coming so I knew I was gonna get the ball hot on that. So it was just a matter of fact to just getting open. Number five, Saturday, June eleventh, season opener at home versus Hamilton. Drops the pass, throws over the middle! And there it's it is. intercepted! Derek Mindcree! 25, 20, 10, 5! He goes to the pylon! Did he get in? No, he's at the one! Split two guys and, uh, you know, tried to bait him a little bit and made the play. Tried to get in the end zone, too, so. I thought I did. I thought I did. They might have robbed me on that one. <laughs> Number four, Friday, July 8th, at home versus Ottawa. Cody turns, hands it off to Hickson. Delay in the hole. Plus through. Midfield 50, 45, 30. He could be gone. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. 
action! You know, it's a, it's a play that we run every single day, um, no matter what. So uh, we, we're really good at it, and uh, you know, my, my offensive line gives all effort, and and uh, my my fullbacks they give all effort, and uh, you know, when when you haven't played in 900 days, and then you're you're thrown into the fire, and you know, you're doing things for the first time once again, and you know, so breaking off a, a, a long run like this, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is close to my career long anywhere. So um, you know, it, it felt great. Um, it felt great to contribute as a as a rookie and um, be be a part of this offense and, and this team. Number three, Saturday, August 13th at Edmonton. Here's Cody on a shotgun snap. Cody to the right sideline. Rainbow throw. Is it caught? It is. Touchdown, Saskatchewan, Duke Williams. I was eating some nachos with no cheese. No cheese? Just the chips. <laughs> Coach kept emphasizing have fun. And that was what was on my mind all night long, and that's what I did. I was back to what I normally do, and that's having fun. And that bye week, I needed that to um, rest my head, get my head right mentally. And um, I came back like, 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 like the old me. Number two. Saturday, July 2nd, at home versus Montreal. Harris steps up. Harris dodges the rush. Throws. Picked up. This one is going to be maybe house. Nick Marshall. 30, 20, 10. Nick Marshall. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. The big one wasn't it yeah well you know they were they were trying to get the ball out of trevor's hands fast and in vernon too when he came in and you know nick's nick's got a lot of gamer in him he's seen a lot of football and he triggers fast so um i think credit goes to the d-line for forcing the quick throw and then nick you know, obviously deserves a lot of credit for jumping it and then not only just intercepting it but but finding a way to score with it number one Sunday, July 24th, at home versus Toronto. We're calling it now. We're returning this for a touchdown if it misses. Okay, out of the hole to Haggerty. Beatty puts his right foot into it. It's not going to have the distance, and Alfred's going to bring it out. Little stutter step waiting to set up some blockers. He's at the 5, outside of the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40. I called it. Field. He can go. He is going to go. House call. House call. Once I saw it kick it, that's a pretty long field goal. So it went to wide left, so I just took it and do what I do with it. I almost let the kicker tackle me, so I, I had to make sure I didn't do that. Once I got to the 50-yard line, I think I knew I was, I was pretty much done. Ah, yes. An audio rewind of the season, courtesy of our friend John Kleisinger who is a great wingman here on the Sports Cage. He'll be back in the chair tomorrow to continue our Sports Cage year in review. But yeah, the top 10 rider plays. Stay with us. We'll have more of those a little later on. We'll replay it for you in case you got halfway through. Uh, 
Uh, I noticed during the year uh, I got a little better in terms of my excitement, but come on, people! When the ride the riders didn't have a lot of big plays, so when they did, I I, I want to get excited. My first year in the booth, and people said, "Oh, what a down year for your first year in the booth." No, it wasn't. It was great. Pinched myself from the start till the end. It's great, and an, it's an honor to be the voice of this team and this fan base. Win or lose, we ride together, and uh, can't wait for next season. We'll have more. For the Sports Cage here, the Sports Cage year in review on this Tuesday, brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Time now to talk to the fastest man at the U of R, Dushos. I love it. Just the single name. Now, give me the pronunciation of your full name. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't bother trying that. Dushos is fine with me. So, hey, before we get to what you've done at the U of R, man, I understand you were a bronze medalist at the 2019 African Games and represented Nigeria at the Summer Olympics in Japan. Tell me about that experience. It was nice. It was fantastic. It was overwhelming. The African African Games was crazy. Getting the medal there, that was my first individual medal. And it was electrifying. And the race qualified me for the Olympics. So it's. I think that's literally like my best run up to date. It's a memory I would not forget. Then the Olympics was electrifying. There were no fans in the stadium, but... It was a, it was an experience because running and getting to the semifinals is really something. Yeah, talk about that for a second, Dushos. Though you're at the Olympics, it's like the pinnacle of you know sports excellence, and there are no fans there. That must have been, even though it was a great experience, like you alluded to, must have been kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird running in an empty stadium. It was really weird. Because you obviously you want the, the fans to be cheering, but then again, it's all trying to be focused and try to get the job done. So it was weird, but at the same time, it was a good feeling because regardless, they tried to mimic the scenario fans were there. So it still brought the atmosphere and the tension and the nerves. Everything was there. It was still electrifying, especially after the race and everything. It was it was kind of it was not it, but. This is my only ex- Olympic experience, so I'll take it. Well, no kidding, you'll take it. I won't ever have an Olympic experience, so good on you, Dushos. <laughs> this is uh, Dushos yeah. from the uh, U of R Cougars track team. You have never run the sixty before this season. What uh, you know? What what spurred you on to run the sixty meter? I've never raised a sixty coming coming into this year until Regina. But what made me do the sixty was basically that that's the only thing available now in Canada. So because of the winter, we cannot go out, obviously. So yeah. the 60 was the only way to get competition in. So I just tried to adapt and definitely try to do a couple of runs. So the major goal was to get good for outdoors. That's why I didn't go to world, the World Championships in the 60. I'm just trying to prepare for the outdoor season. So the 60 was just like part of my training for the later part of the season. So that's not your favorite event? What's your favorite event to run? It's definitely the 100. Yeah, what, definitely the hundred. Yeah, what do you like better about the hundred as opposed to the sixty? It's like I don't really know because I just started running the sixty, but for the hundred, like I've been running the hundred all my life. So basically, there are phases, and you try to get up to that phase and. 
just want to explore and get the feel of it. But whereas in the 60, it's really short. And before I get up to my running, the race is already over. Yeah. So mostly I'll say, the 60 has its own technique. And I see that the people that do it a lot that have been doing it, they're kind of better in the technique. I had to like come into it and adapt, adjust, and also not try to lose out the phases of the 100. So I was trying to put in both throughout this season, and it came out good. It came out good, but I know it could have been better, but then again, the goal is for outdoors. So we just put the focus out there. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You set a school record in the 60, the Bison's Classic in February with a 6.63 seconds. Uh, broke the record formerly held by Tavon Campbell, who had a 6.67. He's, of course, with the L.A. Chargers now. Uh, you won Canada West gold in the 60-meter dash at 6.66 seconds. And then tell me about the U-Sports gold that you pulled off here just recently. Yeah, it was, it was good. I was trying, I was aiming to go faster. I worked a lot on my start, but things didn't, things didn't really come together at the U Sport Championship, but my performance was good enough for the gold. So I'll take it. I'll definitely take the medal over any performance. <laughs> In the 60 there, the U Sports final, you dashed a 6.66 to become just the second national 60-meter champ in school history. Of course, the other one, the previously mentioned Tavon Campbell. Now, I understand you're a big, big fan of soccer. Let's start with your uh, uh, native Nigeria falling to uh, Ghana in the last round of qualification. How mad were you? Really mad. That was bad. That was really bad. Couldn't believe the results. Couldn't even look at it. It was bad. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to see. No, not in Ghana. No, no, no. Like, we should have qualified. Can you definitely like? Can you put into perspective yeah. for me, uh, Dusho, what that means? Like, what 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 would that rival be? Uh, rivalry be like? Would it be like U of R, U of S? Like, can you uh, draw a comparison for us? Yeah, it's like Regina and Saskatoon is like it's the same. Is like I feel like it's more intense because we're basically competing for everything. Like even in track, we're trying the Nigerian team is trying to beat the Kenyan team, and we like literally just zone out and try to be better than the other team. So g- losing to Ghana, losing to anybody is kind of okay, but to Ghana, no, not to Ghana. And Ghana has been getting one of us for quite some time now, and it's really hurtful. So. I'm going to watch Ghana at the World Cup. Well, anyways, I'm going to support Ghana at the World Cup regardless because, well, they are, they are African brothers. Yeah. So I'll support Ghana, but I wish it was Nigeria playing because apparently I've supported Nigeria all for all World Cups, I think. And I don't think they've made it past the first round or the second round, but I just keep supporting them. Like, it's good to see your country flag and to watch your country play at least for the first stages of the game. Yeah. How long have you lived in Canada, and are you pretty pumped to see Canada get to the World Cup? Yes, I was. I was. I was astonished when I saw Canada qualify for the World Cup. I've been in Canada. I came in in January, so I've been in Canada for just a couple of months. I think three months now. Mm-hmm. So Canada qualifying for the World Cup is insane. And I will tell you one good thing I saw that made me laugh was playing the tropical regions in the, in snow. It was really <laughs> funny. I was like, there is no way you're not beating these people. Like, how can you carry people to play under the sun out here to play under the cold? It doesn't work that way, boys. <laughs> so it was funny to watch because I watched the highlights. But then again, good one for Canada. You have to win. At any cost, you definitely have to win, and they're the World Cup, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, you know what else is amazing? You're a great athlete. You've just been in Canada a short time. 
Tell the folks what you're taking in school, because it's not like you're taking basket weaving, Dushos. You're taking, like, engineering. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm taking engineering, and I, it's kind of tasking, it's kind of tasking, like, combining it with sports. But then again, we have to survive. So we're pushing, and gradually, I think I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Just find, just need to find a balance, need to find a way to make everything work, and that's the goal. Yeah. How do you like Regina? It's cool. It's quiet. It's like the town I grew up. It's really quiet. Although sometimes I like the noise, but there is no noise in Regina. Everybody's sane. Everybody's calm. <laughs> so I think Regina is really cool. Awesome. It's really cool. Awesome, man. Well, you seem like a really cool guy and a very talented dude and a great addition to our city. Thanks for uh, guessing with me, Dushos. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. All right, so that's Dushos. I can't even pronounce his first name. If you listen at the start of the interview, he did. What an outstanding athlete, track athlete, over at the University of Regina. We do Cougars in the Cage once a week here as we highlight the athletics over at the U of R, not dealing with the University of Regina Rams because we do that separately. Yes, indeed. We've got uh, lots going on here on the sports cage. We'll get to that in a second. I want to tell you this sports ticker is brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Thanks to Cam Sebastian and his team for giving us a toilet that we moved around town for um, the Sophia House at Christmas time for necessities and things they need over there. We are going to... Uh, Announce our total coming up uh, on our first show of 2023. Pretty decent total for two weeks. I want to thank Curtis at Carrie's Moving for moving it around town. I did it for 13 years on The Wolf when I was doing the morning show there. And uh, we now are doing it for the first time here on the Sports Cage. It'll be an annual rite of passage. Um, at the World Juniors today, of course, you know, Canada was showboating and lost to the Czechia squad yesterday, 5-2. to two. Finland over Slovakia, 5-2. to two. Sweden top Germany, 1-0. And right now it's Latvia leading Switzerland in the third two to one Canada plays Germany tomorrow I will say Connor Bedard looked pretty good for Canada a battle of Alberta tonight Oilers at Calgary third and final meeting which is unbelievable they don't even meet in the new year Calgary's in the playoffs right now if it started today Oilers on the outside looking and should be good one Boston at Ottawa Toronto at St. Louis Mini at Winnipeg and at San Jose at Vancouver seven games in the dub including the Blades home to PA Pats are back in action back from their Christmas break tomorrow hosting Brandon Seven. 7 o'clock at the Brand Center. Kean Schaefer-Baker of your Rough Riders worked up for the Denver Broncos along with Tyrell Ford of the Bombers. For Baker, Schaefer-Baker, he's worked out for the Broncos, Colts, Jags, Steelers, Bucks, Raiders, and Vikings. And I think we can make the announcement now since I put it up on social media. Starting January the 3rd. So that'll be Tuesday, January the 3rd when we're back from the uh, holiday break officially. The calendar changes. So will the sports cage as we will go 3 until 6. Instead of 4.30 to 6.30, we're on an hour earlier and a half an hour longer with more features and more top-level contributors that we're working on right now. So it's going to be like it has been since I took over this show early part of this year. It's going to be a ballsy and friends type of thing. Our sports cage shareholders, I call them that. They're our listeners. They've said 
We want more. We need more sports. We like what you're doing. We like the fact you guys are highlighting local sports, all kind of sports, from senior hockey to junior hockey to the NHL to the grassroots and football all the way up through the pros. That's right. We got it all covered here, and we're going to have it covered even more for three hours instead of two and a half from three until six, starting January the 3rd. So tell all of your friends, because we're kicking ass. Street. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage, the corner of 12th and Rose. Ballsy with you. Uh, Sean Kleisinger will be back in the chair tomorrow as we continue our Sports Cage year in review. We just did make an announcement, though. The Sports Cage is changing with the calendar flip on January 3rd. We're going 3 until 6, so not 4 to 6.30. We bump up an hour and go a half an hour longer, so 3 until 6. Sandra Mathers Larson says, wow, great news. John Berger, I will be tuned in for sure. Joan Josephson, a great way to spend an afternoon. And Brandon Renneberg, a favorite of ours around here, he said, awesome news. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. If you want to jump on the bandwagon that is the sports cage and sponsor you're going to have lots of opportunities as we, with an extra half an hour, we're polishing things up. We're going to have a lot more features and some more high-level contributors that I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a star-studded show. Ballsy and Friends is kind of the approach as it has been since I took the show over. So uh, let's uh, keep her going here. The Sports Cage Year in Review. Of course, Mike Pinball Clemens and the Toronto Argonauts came to town to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Grey Cup 109 and the Argonauts. Argos would leave with their uh, victory over the Bombers. They have never lost to the Bombers in a Grey Cup 7-0, and they've won the last seven Grey Cups they've been in. A very gutsy effort. This was Pinball Clemens during Grey Cup week. I'll tell you one guy you couldn't hate, though. I don't even care as a Ryder fan. You couldn't hate Mike Pinball Clemens. That guy is still, to this day, a beauty. He's coming to Regina the end of April here for a fundraising dinner with the Regina Rams to raise money for their team, their 53rd annual sports Dinner along with our own Craig Dickinson, friend of the show, head coach of your Rough Riders. And uh, yeah, it's time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with the pinball. Okay, pinball. Of all the honors you've received, what's the best honor you've ever received? Um, you know, um, the, uh, the best honor uh, I believe that I've ever received uh, would be uh, the one that doesn't go to me. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, prob- I, I probably, you know, can, um, think about the honor of, of being a father, uh, having my wife, um, you know, be the one who, you know, has ex- experiences all of the challenges through that process. Uh, now, now, you know, that's, that's a true honor, a real honor. Um, and, uh, so it would, w- it would be my kids. I'm first time grandfather now, uh, as of a month ago, just over a month ago. And, and, uh, so, so for me, those are the, because, because when you look at all of the awards, um, 
there were so many other people that were a part of that process, like, you know, um, you know, the, the MOP, right? Mm. There, yeah, every time I ran the ball, there were 11 other guys who were working harder than I was, right? You know, <laughs> I just, I just ran. That was my job. I just ran from people, right? And, you know, there are guys that are battling guys that are 250, 300 pounds. And, and so in that process, and so, um, I, I would say that it is now thinking more clearly, um, you know, what an honor and a privilege it is to be a father and uh, now a grandfather and those kind of things. But but the other thing is the team awards, right? When you win the cup, when you win it together, right? Uh, those, those, I think that's the real magic. Well, okay, mm-hmm. you got something called the pin. By the way, first off, granddaughter, grandson? Uh, granddaughter. Okay, and what's the name? Uh, Carter Janae. That's an awesome name. That's 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 really yeah. good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, okay. uh, so. Um, did you forget yeah, the cha- did you forget the change diapers pinball or do you know how to do that still? I, I can still hang in there. Yes. And, uh, so um, yeah, I, I I can't say that I'm I'm the one that's doing most of that work, but uh, I do get in there. Though I do get my hands in there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey man, like you are unbelievable on the football field. But as I look over your bio, what? It's probably two different gratifications, but more gratifying to win a championship with your friends when you're battling, putting your body on the line, or for instance, the Pinball Clemens Foundation, you know, constructing a hospital in Uganda or 200 schools in developing countries. Um, you know, it, it, it's, can, can we say that it's a different kind of joy, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so both joyful, but a different kind of joy. You, you never want to diminish those team victories where you win together and, and you, you know, you go out and, and, uh, uh, there are so many different things that happen during the context of a year. And, and most of the time this takes place over the course of several years as you, as you, you know, win a championship or lead into a championship. And so you, you've not just played with guys for that year, but you, you've played and gotten to know them and their families and so on for, for several years. And, and that, that truly is, um, just that out of, out of body experience that, that, that crazy joy. Uh, and, and when you, um, on the other hand, when you build a hospital in, in a developing country or, or you build a, a classroom in a developing country, um, you know, those, you know, those things are, I think, more heartfelt. So, so ultimately, I think they mean more. Um, and, and I think, um, there is more elation around, uh, a championship. You know, it's just your, ah, just out of body experience. Yeah. I can, you, you just can't control yourself. Yeah. But, but I think there's a deeper, um, sense of, of, um, a different joy, a different joy, right? Uh, yeah, a different, different joy. a different okay, joy. Yes. Hey, yes, so, sir. so, That's it. so, uh, 91, 96, 97, you win a championship. Can you pick your, and then as a coach too, can you pick your favorite or is that like picking your favorite kid or grandkid? Yeah, so it, it, it is. It truly is. And, and, uh, all, all, all amazing for different reasons, right? So the, the first one was, uh, you know, our, our, our owners were like 
<laughs> Bruce McNall and John Candy and Wayne Gretzky, right? That that was like the coolest thing. And then the Rocket, right? Um, you know, uh, and and you know, still uh, one of my great friends. And, and and so that that team and that experience was so amazing. And that's your first, and you say that, wow, that's got to be it, right? Well, then you play with Doug Flutie, and wow. uh, uh, maybe the best. You know, player that I've ever played. You know, not well. I shouldn't say maybe. He's the best player that I've ever played with in my life. And and uh, and then uh, after the '91 season, right? We you know still had a, a very similar team, uh, minus Matt Dunnigan, mind you, uh, but but a very similar team. And and we finished last. Right now, when we won in '96, we were able to back it up and do the back-to-back championship, and and so it really is hard to beat that as well. Um, and uh, and you know, when I look at the, the the second championship, the one in the middle, you say, well, well, what what about that one? Well. When I came here in 89, I got a nickname. Uh, when in 90, I was the most outstanding player. In, in 91, uh, I, I was, you know, we, we won the great cup. And, and, and so, so with this, there was this, this, there was this momentum that's, oh, this is it. Then we finished in last. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then we struggled for a few more years. And so that 96 one was almost like, uh, we, we just had Easter. It was a resurrection, right? <laughs> yeah. So we, we were back again. And so they all three of them are special for different reasons. Mike Clemens, I wonder if you remember this story. I just talked to one of your teammates, Carl Brazley. Carl Brazley oh Car- Carl Brazley tells the story, and it's a wonderful story yeah. about you. You're now the face oh. of a franchise in a critical oh. time in this league, but Carl Brazley goes to Bob Obilovich on the sidelines, or Bob Obilovich comes to him and says, I don't think this Clemens kid's going to make the team. And Brazley and Don Wilson beg Obilovich to put in the starters so that they can block for you on a punt return, and the rest is history. Do you remember that story, the way that I tell it through Carl Brazley's mouth? You know what? Uh, I, uh, I I didn't know about that all this time. I never knew. <laughs> yeah, he can't, so, he tells so, me he tells yeah. me that they loved you so much, but Obilovich said I don't. I don't think I can keep this guy. And Brazley said, and Don Wilson said, no, we got to get, let's get our starters together. Let's put him in. This kid has got something. Trust us, coach. And then now look at this. You go, you're the MOP. You win three great cups. One as a coach is one of the greatest speeches of all time. And then now you're in a critical, critical time in, in the Argos history. Let me ask you about that, Mike. Uh, like, do you take that as more of a responsibility than maybe anything you've done in your career to this point? Like, this is a, I think this is a really big year in the CFL's history. And the Argos, uh, you know, despite what some people might say in the West, oh, we don't need Toronto. We do need Toronto. We need a healthy Toronto. How can we get that, Mike? Uh, you, you know, that part of it, um, uh, um, none of us alone is as good as all of us together. Right. That 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 is something that as a league um, that we're going to have to uh, uh, come together, Uh, you know, as a general manager, I'm I'm not necessarily front facing. Um, uh, You know, I'm not the the one that's on the phone that's talking to fans. Right. And Mm -hmm. and doing those kinds of things. And and, uh, I, I do do some of that. Right. And they have me do some of that. Right. But but, you know, uh, I've, uh, I've, 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 I learned a long time ago, if you're the smartest guy in the room, it's your own fault. 
right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so yeah, uh, and excellence isn't just in one area, right? You, you don't just, you know, have a great offense, right? You don't win championships with just a great offense, right? Uh, you, you have to play uh, well on special teams. You got to be competent there. You have to play defense as well. Uh, and, and that's what this is all, you know, so, so I think this, this is, this is much bigger than me. Um, almost everything is bigger than me. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, this is definitely much, much bigger than me. And, and so, uh, the responsibility of it, yes, I see, I understand I have uh, an important role as a part of this. Uh, but it really is about layering people, layering opportunities. Um, you know, I've gotten, I've got a lot of relationships in this city over the, you know, the, mm-hmm. over 30 years. And, and, uh, it really is about reaching out and connecting and, and, uh, bringing things together. You can't do this alone. It's important to know that, uh, and, uh, uh, consistent with that. Um, you know, we, we're, we're in, in great hands in it with MLSE. Uh, I don't think that, you know, we could, we could be in a better position there, a better situation there. Um, our majority, uh, owner, um, uh, Mr. Tannenbaum as a single individual. Of course, we have, uh, both Bill and Rogers on, on you know, beside him, uh, alongside of that. And, and so, uh, as, as a combination there, um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that, um, things could, you know, given, given the situation is the way it is, uh, today, I don't think we can be in better hands. Good. Uh, Mike, so, um, you, I think, uh, by a lot of accounts, have the best Canadian talent that a lot of people think in the uh, CFL. In fact, uh, Josh Haggerty from the U of S, a Regina kid, his dad, Jeff, was my teammate with the Regina Rams in junior football, and you are coming out here on April the 28th. Just talk about the importance of Canadians in the Canadian Football League and what it means to you to come to a dinner like the Regina Rams coming up here. Oh my goodness! You know when I when I think of of uh, Canadians and the Canadian Football League, I, I I go back to that first group of offensive linemen uh, that I had, and they were an uh, an outstanding uh, group of gentlemen. Uh, you you start on on you know one side, and and um, you got Kelvin Poomster, uh, who was a gem of a guy who came down uh, from from the U.S. Uh, and he was the one American guy that was on that on that line, and 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 he fit in personality-wise with all those guys, and he's been very successful in in uh, business and in, in a therapy uh, thing that he he has done afterwards. And and uh, then on the other side was Chris Schultz, and we know Chris Schultz. Oh, yeah. uh, then you had Danny Ferroni, oh, um, yeah. uh, that was that was right there on that that offensive line, and you know he's he was. The, you know, became the president of the Players Association, amongst other things, and and uh, uh, and then Blaine Schmidt was a non-starter on this, and who, who who's become a great entrepreneur uh, has has this um, where he rebuilds cars and all of that, and that was after uh, having a, a successful sale business, which I think he still um, has a part mm-hmm. of. He um, had a, had a Bell store, and 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 so all of these really cool uh, dynamic guys. That were part of you know uh, um, of 
of my upbringing. All Canadian guys or majority Canadian, uh, you know, uh, linemen that that took care of me and uh, the heart and soul of the league who really understand the league itself and and the and really carry the pride and the 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 honor behind it. And and uh, so so uh, for me, I just grew up in an atmosphere with with so many great Canadian players and 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 on our team we're we're, we're fortunate today but Don Moen was a guy that that uh, always you know uh tried to to listen to and spend a little time with he had uh so much savvy uh mm-hmm. um and uh played over 200 straight games and and uh uh and so when I you know when I think of that team and all the guys and and uh and I haven't you know named them all yeah. um well you got Paul Masotti there's, so there's much- a there, there's a bu- Paul Masotti at receiver My, like there's so okay. many great ones I have for sure absolutely man yeah that that, that yeah and, and uh you know and, and Mazzotti and I actually um uh both played 12 years and we overlapped 11 of those years uh he was there a year earlier I was there a year later and then he became the GM alongside of me uh yeah. as a coach uh in and and so so just so many great players so many great memories and the the um, you know, you can, you can, you can speak to talent, right? And there's no question, uh, that those guys have tremendous talent, right? Uh, but they, they not only have the talent, but they carry, uh, the, the heart of the league alongside of them. And, and, uh, so, um, I, I'm just, um, I'm so, so excited, uh, as we move forward. I think there's, there's, um, uh, a lot of, um, wonderful surprises. Uh, that that will unveil, and including in this draft, uh, there are a, a few. Um, well, not a few. There are several guys in this draft that will go on to become household names. Awesome, Mike. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate yes. it. And we'll see you Thursday, April twenty eighth, at the Rams dinner. All right, tell Craig. I look forward to seeing him too. All right, all right, uh, man. All all the Rams guys. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. That was a nice night for the Rams fundraising dinner. Then Pinball would come to town, and his Argonauts would knock off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for another Grey Cup ring for the very very um, nice guy face of the Toronto Argonauts, one of the faces of the league, right up there with Ron Linecaster, one of the most important figures in league history, Mike Pinball Clements. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage Year in Review right here at the corner of 12th and Rose live in downtown Regina on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Man, it is crazy weather. One minute you're just freezing your butt off, and the next minute it's raining. Freezing rain. Slow it down. Freezing rain warning all the way from Kindersley to Mooseman, covering South Saskatchewan, Southern Saskatchewan. So keep that in mind. And then we're supposed to see a little bit of flurry activity. So slow it down. Be safe. 936-6262. The number to text. We're getting lots of great texts in here. People are loving the fact that we are switching our show from 3 until 6 on January 3rd. So right now it's 4 to 6.30, but you already knew that. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show on the radio right here is the Sports Cage. And because of that, we've heard you. We're going to give you more. 
and we're going to bump it up. So the show will go from 3 until 6. So it moves up an hour, and we give you a half an hour extra for content, and it's going to open up more features. We'll have all the sports covered more in-depthly here, right here on the Sports Cage. Of course, we're always over at the U of R checking things out over there. We call this Cougars in the Cage. Let's go back earlier this year to uh, talk with Kaylee Whitus. This is a segment we like to call Cougars in the Cage, where we highlight Cougar athletics. And let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Kaylee Whitus joining us, track star with the U of R. Do you eat much pizza, Kaylee? I actually do not like pizza. You're not a big pizza fan. Well, I'll eat enough. I'll eat enough pizza. yeah, I'll, I'll eat enough for you, for the both of us, so that that's okay. I got you covered there. Don't worry, Western Pizza. Kaylee doesn't do pizza, but I will. Hey, so tell I, I have you on here because I like to highlight uh, you of our athletes. You've got a great story. Now, you were a long jumper, but you uh, basically wrecked your entire knee. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it was actually long jumping. It was my second meet coming back after COVID, so it was still getting fresh into it and I was on my last jump and I just over rotated and landed on my leg wrong hyperextended it and I tore my PCL my LCL and fractured two bones in my shin so wow. yeah wow that that's great when did that happen and that happened in July July okay so how long of a, how long of a rehab uh, process was that and how tough was that because I'm getting we're getting somewhere with this story but how how tough was that to, to rehab it was I was I was unable to walk for a month and a half and so then in September I started a little bit of like skipping and stuff again and then by October I was able to jog and do a little bit of practices with the Cougars yeah now now when you have a physical injury, that's one thing. But how about the mental side? Did you do you ever really get over something like that, or how tough is that? Um, the I, the mental part of it is way worse. It definitely the recovery on the mental end takes much longer, and I'm still definitely not recovered. As like this season, my jumps didn't go as great as I was hoping, just because I felt like I had a bit of a mental barrier. It's kind of scary putting yourself back in the same situation that you once got injured in. So I feel like I was almost protecting myself, wasn't letting myself fully jump just because I didn't want it to happen again. It was an awful experience. So so, so I'll tell you what, you uh, put that behind. You focused on the track. And tell us about your exploits in the 60-meter event. You won, I think you won gold at the Can West. And then uh, U of our uh, Cougar uh, track uh, record uh, finishing fifth in the country in the Nationals. Yeah, so that was, I actually got second at Can West. but okay. Yeah, the, my season, I, I wasn't expecting the 60 to go as well as it did, but my first ever meet coming back after the injury, I ran a 7.71, which was a PB by a lot. And then just throughout the season, every single meet, it just got better and better. And I don't know, it was crazy. It was unexpected on my end, too. I didn't think it was going to be that great, but I think just I really focused on lifting weights this season and just getting strong and healthy again and it kind of just came 
You know, the one thing that struck me about your story, because it hit home for me, is my daughter has scoliosis, too, like you, and she's uh, got an unbelievable core, and uh, she uh, now is a yoga teacher at 18 years old, teaches uh, uh, handicapped people yoga four times a week, and uh, so when I saw the story, Taylor Shire did it on Global Sports, I was like, oh, i got to get a hold of Kaylee, because uh, you also have scoliosis. Talk about overcoming that, too. Yes, definitely. I found out I had scoliosis when I was in grade eight. So I was already doing track at the time and finding out you have something like scoliosis, which is incurable unless you get surgery, which still even then it's not necessarily fully guaranteed that it'll make you better. But um, it was really hard to get through it. At first I had some back pain when I was trying to do track and stuff when I wasn't, but the stronger I got, the less back pain I got. And I just realized that track wasn't hurting my back it was actually better for my back like I realized if I was to stop doing track I'd probably receive more back pain so mm-hmm. so you talk about long jump and trying to overcome the mental barrier do you work with a mental coach are you are you going to push forward in that aspect or divert more of your attention to the track um I actually don't work with a mental coach but my coach my jump coach Wade Huber for long jump he is amazing and he has been helping me through it so much and like even already right now I feel in a way better spot than I was a few months ago and I think it'll just come with time I just need to get out there get on the track and actually just let myself jump and I think the rest will come just not putting too much pressure on myself and yeah yeah, yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on uh, on diverting and focusing on the track and having some success there. And we wish you all the best in the pit, too. Thank you for guesting with us, Kaylee. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Kaylee Whitus joined us earlier this year in our segment called Cougars in the Cage. So we're live from the corner of 12th and Rose on this rainy night. Uh, a couple of people had knee said to be very careful. It is slippery out there. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you are. Keep the text coming. One of the reasons we're the number one show in terms of sports talk in this time slot is because, hey, we're live. We're doing things. Now, our segments are taped because this is a sports cage year in review, but we are live. Ballsy here at the corner of 12th and Rose Zinger will be in um, tomorrow as I'm on holidays, but uh, we had to fill in because he had uh, a funeral to attend today, which is never easy this time of year. When we come back, more of our Sports Cage year in review. Hey, by the way, uh, when we were on the little holiday break here, the Denver Broncos lost 51-14 to the Rams, and so their coach, Nathaniel Hackett, was fired. Just the second coach since 1978 in the NFL to get fired before his first season was done. The other one was just recently Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jags. Here's what Hackett had to say after getting fired. This is hilarious and maybe a little inside to note into why he's no longer the coach. What the F was I meant to do? It's hard to coach a guy who has more bathrooms in his house than touchdowns on the year. Nathaniel Hackett obviously referring to Russell Wilson. Oh my goodness. What coach is going to want to take over that dumpster fire in Denver? Everybody's saying Sean Payton, but I doubt it. More of the Sports Cage Year in Review on this Tuesday brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. Coming up, you're on 620.
With Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And a new and improved Sports Cage on your way January 3rd as we are uh, bumping our show up an hour. Instead of four, it starts at three. And instead of going two and a half hours, it goes a full three hours. So three to six, the new Sports Cage, January the 3rd. It wasn't a great year for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We know that. But there were still some great plays. Our own Sean Kleisinger put together our top 10 2022 rider plays let's roll the tape number 10 saturday july 2nd at home versus montreal out of the hold of vedvik the snap the hold the kick is on the way this one's got the distance it's good brad Lumber said i missed one but I made that one. Number nine, Saturday, July 2nd at home versus Montreal. And Cody's going to throw to the backfield. Kean's got it far side. 35, Kean 30, 20, 10, 5. Is he in? Touchdown! Saskatchewan! Number eight, Saturday, August 13th at Edmonton. Alfred at his 12. Outside the, or inside the numbers, 30, 35. He's to the fourth. Oh. Look out. He could be gone. Midfield, 50, 45, 40. He's going to go. Mario Alfred all the way home. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Oh, uh, it's just one of them plays, uh, Coach, uh, one of our favorite plays, return plays, I say, and uh, we executed it well. Guys blocked well, and I just made the right read, and, and they ended in a, in a score. Number seven, Saturday, September 10th, Labor Day rematch at Winnipeg. Here's the kickoff down to Alford. Takes it in his belly at the 20, running to his left across the 25, 30, 35, trying to go to the numbers, 40, 45, 50. He's on the run, pass Lakeo, far sideline. He's got to score. Mario Alford all the way home. 90 yards. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Well, you saw the- um, I mean, I fought, I fought it today. I was, I was not feeling well um, since this morning. Came in, I had doubts of not playing, but I played and I, and I fought, so um, I'm, I'm okay now. Number six. Friday, August 26th at BC. He motions over to the right, does Hardy. Second and 10, Cody backpedals, throws off his back foot, down the middle. He has got it, 50, 40, he's in the clear. 20, 10, touchdown, Saskatchewan. Hey, Luke, we got ourselves some chicken. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's something we were looking over all week, over in film and practice. As soon as we got that zero and I had a post coming, so I knew I was going to get the ball hot on that. So it was just a matter of fact to just getting open. Number five, Saturday, June 11th, season opener at home versus Hamilton. Drops the pass, throws over the middle. And there it's it is. intercepted. Derek Bycleef, 25, 20, 10, 5. He goes to the pylon. Did he get in? No, he's at the one. Split two guys and, uh, you know, tried to bait him a little bit and made the play. 
tried to get in the end zone too, so. I thought I did. I thought I did. They might have robbed me on that one. <laughs> Number four, Friday, July 8th, at home versus Ottawa. Cody turns, hands it off to Hickson. Delay in the hole. Bust through. Midfield 50, 45, 40. He could be gone. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Frankie Hickson. You know, it's a, it's a play that we run every single day, um, no matter what. So uh, we, we're really good at it. And, uh, you know, my, my offensive line gives all effort and, and uh, my, my fullbacks, they give all effort. And, I, you know, when, when you haven't played in 900 days and then you're, you're thrown into the fire and, you know, you're doing things for the first time once again. And, you know, so breaking off a, a, a long run like this and, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is close to my career long anywhere. So, um, you know, it, it felt great. Um, it felt great to contribute as a, as a rookie and um, be, be a part of this offense and, and this team. Number three, Saturday, August 13th at Edmonton. Here's Cody on a shotgun snap. Cody to the right sideline. Rainbow throw. Is it caught? It is! Touchdown! Saskatchewan, Duke Williams. I was eating some nachos with no cheese. No cheese? Just the chips. <laughs> Coach kept emphasizing have fun. And that was on my mind all night long, and that's what I did. I was back to what I normally do, and that's having fun. And that bye week, I needed that to um, rest my head, get my head right mentally. And um, I came back like, 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 like the old me. Number two, Saturday, July 2nd, at home versus Montreal. Harris steps up, Harris dodges the rush, throws, picked up, this one is going to be maybe House, Nick Marshall, 30, 20, 10, Nick Marshall, touchdown, Saskatchewan, the Dagger! That was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, they were they were trying to get the ball out of Trevor's hands fast and, and, and Vernon too when he came in. And you know, Nick's Nick's got a lot of gamer in him. He's seen a lot of football and he triggers fast. So um, I think credit goes to the D-line for forcing the quick throw, and then Nick obviously deserves a lot of credit for jumping it. And then not only just intercepting it, but but finding a way to score with it as well. Number one. Sunday, July 24th, at home versus Toronto. We're calling him now. We're returning this for a touchdown if it misses. Okay, out of the hole to Haggerty. Beattie puts his right foot into it. It's not going to have the distance, and Alfred's going to bring it out. Little stutter step waiting to set up some blockers. He's at the 5, outside at the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40. I called it. Field. He could go. He is going to go. House call. House call. Once I saw it, Kiki, that's a pretty long field goal. So it went to wide left. So I just took it and do what I do with it. I almost let the kicker tackle me. So I, I had to make sure I didn't do that. Once I got to the 50-yard line, I think I knew I was, I was pretty much done. 
Thank goodness for Mario Alford, the special teams player of the year in the CFL. Good acquisition by Jeremy O'Day. Hopefully he can make a few of those in this offseason along the O-line so that he can whet the appetite of one Bo Levi Mitchell, who is a free agent. Well, he's going to be a free agent. I, I, My sources tell me he is going to free agency, so despite what some of the uh, analysts have said, like Dave Naylor and such, he is going to go to free agency, and if the Riders get him here, the Riders can get Bo Levi Mitchell in town, show him around, show him the city, show him how much the people will love him and how he'll be a big star. Dude grew up wanting to be an NFL quarterback. Well, this is the place you can be an NFL quarterback. They just have to get some offensive linemen that can block for him because he's got all the mobility of a phone booth, even less than Cody. So they need to block it up for him, add a couple of receivers, and uh, we're on our way. Now, are we on our way to a Grey Cup? I don't know, but I think it's pretty easy to get it turned around in the CFL. Looking forward to seeing uh, what happens in the offseason and if the Riders do make a really good run at Bo Levi Mitchell, because I do think it's Bo or Bust. Where do they go? Do they go back to Cody? They might have to. Uh, that'll make things interesting between yours truly and Cody, because Cody is uh, miffed at me now. He's blocked me on social media, so uh, we'll see how that shakes down. But maybe they go back to Cody. Maybe because, uh, I mean, Nick Arbuckle, is he better than Cody? No. Dane Evans? I don't know. Trevor Harris is a free agent. So is his running mate, Geno Lewis. Maybe that's a interesting setup. Who knows? Lots to be decided here coming up. But the Rough Riders have to do some big-time quality work in the off season. Got a text from Brandon. Is this true? You are going to three hours? Give me more. Put it right in my veins. Awesome news. That's right. That's right. Brandon's right. If you're just tuning in, Sports Cage going three to six, Monday to Friday, starting January the 3rd. So no longer four to 630. I always thought that was stupid. I had nothing to do with that. I always thought that was stupid to end on a half an hour. Like, yeah, I know why they did it for the Pats games, but the Pats don't play every game or every day all year round. So three to six, an hour longer, move it up an hour, and away we go. Somebody else taking a bite out of your competition? I don't really... Do I have competition? And I'm not saying that uh, cocky, in a cocky way. It comes across like that, but that's not what I mean. If we do our job around here at the sports cage, covering all the sports, we won't have competition because this is where you're going to come. And it's showing that that's exactly what's happening. Tell all your friends, 3 to 6, sports cage, January.com. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And our Sports Cage year in review brought to you by, at least today on this Tuesday, Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Whenever our guests join us, they join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Watching the World Juniors. Watching the Battle of Alberta tonight. We actually had some Western Pizza in my house yesterday as we were watching the Chargers. My Chargers clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2018. So I encourage you to check out Western Pizza. Speaking of the Riders, you heard Big Voice Guy talk about 
about us being the official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we are proud partners of the Rough Riders. This guy went to Tom, played for the Rams, played for the Stamps, played for your Rough Riders, and now coaches over at Harvest City. His his name is Atlee Simon. We highlight all sports, including amateur hoops, and here's our conversation with Atlee Simon from earlier in the year as uh, his uh, Harvest City Reapers in hoopla. All right, Atlee Simon. Okay, the the Harvest City Reapers. You're at a you're like at a Christian school, and that is a very dark team name. I thought it might be the Crusaders or something. Well, it's in when you har- harvest wheat, you uh, reap it, right? Uh, so that that's where it comes from. It's not for, so it's not for the Grim Reapers, uh, but I get a lot of people have that mistake. So you reap what you sow is what you're saying, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah a little bit. There you go. Okay, so you're uh, you guys have uh, put in some hard work. That's what you've sown. You're looking to reap it in hoopla. Uh, how do you feel your team stacks up against the competition this weekend? No, I think we've we've had a really successful year. We've uh, we finished first in Regina in in seeding going to playoffs, and then we were able to uh, beat a really tough Campbell team in in the city final just last week. So. Um, I, obviously, we haven't been able to see a lot of the uh, out-of-town teams from Saskatoon and, and uh, PA and rural areas because of travel restrictions with COVID and whatnot throughout the season. So it's kind of going to be interesting going into the into the tournament because it's going to be a lot of new teams we haven't even seen besides just seeing a little bit, couple clips online or whatnot. So I think that will make it a little bit more exciting um, because we don't necessarily know a whole lot about them. Um, but you know, I, I'll put my guys up against anyone. I think we're a really talented, hardworking team, and um, I'm really confident in them. So you said talented and hardworking. Whenever you uh, talk to a coach and he says, well, we don't know much about them, but it doesn't matter. we got to worry about us. So let's go with that. Let's go with that, Atlee Simon. What are the strengths of your team besides being talented and hardworking? Um, I think, well, we're extremely athletic. We have a lot of long athletic kids, and um that have put in a lot of work over the past. Well, I, I think the difference with us is uh, with a lot of kids throughout the pandemic, um, a lot of kids kind of took a break and didn't get better. And I think every single kid on my team um, made a made it a point to that they're going to come back this year and, and get better. And I think that's what you see in every kid on the team. Um, it's led by a lot of grade 12s. We have four or five grade 12s on the team. Three of them um, are looking like they're going to have post-secondary opportunities somewhere um, in the, in the future. So, um, when you have that leadership and, and that maturity, um, it really helps uh, a team go. And that's what we've had all year. All right. Uh, there's a kid on the team and his name is, uh, oh, uh, Isaac Simon. That's right. He might be related to the head coach as in brother. What's that like coaching your brother? Um, I, it's, it's been amazing. I've been able to do this for, I think this is my third, third year with him. Um, in high school, um, I was assistant coaching in the past, but uh, now that I'm teaching full time, I was able to step up and become the head coach. So, me and him have had a, had an awesome relationship ever since we've been little kids. Um, whether it's football or basketball, we've been um, pushing each other to to become great. And he's been my workout partner when I was training for football, um, and now I'm able to coach him. So. He's a product of the work he's put in. Um, I don't think you'll find a kid that's more hardworking than him. Um, and it's it's showing on the court. He's heads and balance, I believe, the the best kid in, in Saskatchewan and not not uh, in Western Canada. So uh, 
he's exciting to watch anytime you get to go watch him. The stands are full because of the back kids. So um, it's just a pleasure to be able to have him on my team. Hard to separate brother from head coach, though, in this situation. Like, uh, can you be hard on him? How does that work? Well, like I said, we have such a good relationship. So whenever I am even hard on him, um, we have such a level of respect. And um, I respect him. He respects me. Uh, he, he, we have a big age difference. It's about almost nine years. So, um, I have been that kind of role model, um, big brother, father figure, whatever you want to say for a long time now. So I think that's how he looks at it. Um, and and we work off each other so well. So there's never been any animosity when it comes to being hard with him at all. This is Atlee Simon, former U of R Ram and former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, now coaching Harvest City, teaching over there at Harvest City. They're playing in Hoopla, and they've got a good chance to bring home the provincial title. Does your brother have uh, have any post-secondary things lined up, uh, or is it still up in the air? He, he definitely has some things working. I mean, he, he got kind of screwed over with COVID, um, as many other yeah. kids did. Um, he had a lot of momentum going in terms of interest with coaches and and whatnot, but then obviously came to a halt in Canada. While he has aspirations to play down south, um, he definitely can play down south. It's just a matter of finding the right fit, and he's just he's just waiting patiently. He has quite a few Canadian schools talking to him right now, and um, that's definitely on the table as well. And but again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Um, yeah. it's, it's his journey as much as, as I can just be. I'm just there to support him along the way. So it, there's stuff coming down the pipe that he's really excited for. He has national team trials coming up um, next month. So he has a lot of cool things coming up. Um, and he's just going to allow that to run its course and whatever happens, happens. Atlee, Simon, you and your brother, both good at basketball, both good at football. But for both of you, is basketball your first love? Uh, I mean, I always said if I if I had the opportunities that my brother did in terms of club teams, training, and all that when I was his age, I think I probably would end up playing basketball. It also helps that he's like three inches taller than me. Uh, <laughs> also, so I, I obviously made a great choice going with football. Um, Isaac could be an amazing football player as well, but his passion is basketball and. Uh, right now, my passion is basketball, too. I've always had that passion. I love coaching it, and uh, and here we are. Any regrets uh, giving up football to become a teacher and a coach? Honestly, no. No, I've I've really embraced this next level, next uh, stage of life, and I, I was a, com- a complete peace when I made that decision to leave football. Um, obviously, I missed the competitive side of things and um, just the game itself, but when it comes to how my life looks right now. I'm, I'm more than content with it. You must be pretty jacked, though. You'll be at Miller, a full gym. It'll be hot. It'll be sweaty. It'll be loud. That's mm-hmm. right down your alley, I bet, right? Well, uh, the, the the crazier the atmosphere, the better. We had an amazing atmosphere at the city final, the Luther. I think there was over 1,000 people in that gym. Um, just just to have that feeling again after two years of not having it is 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 priceless. And I'm hoping that people can come out and, and show support or hate, whatever it is. We, we we encourage both because that's what makes sports so fun. So um, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm just looking forward to it. How do you dress on the sidelines? I like the fact that NBA and NCAA coaches have gotten away from mm-hmm. suits. I think it's too much of an mm-hmm. elitist thing. I don't even like it in hockey. I like I like just the guys wearing a track suits or something on the sidelines. How do you dress, Atlee Simon? 
I find a nice balance. You know, I, I, I don't wear a suit. Definitely not. But, um, I, I, it depends on the game. Really. I, some games I wear just like one of my team hoodies and, and some jeans. And next time I'll wear, you know, a nice jacket and some, uh, some khakis or whatever. So I find a nice balance. Um, I agree with you. I don't think a coach needs to be wearing something like a suit. Um, but I, I like to look good on the sidelines regardless. So, Whatever I feel confident in, that's where I'm going with. You look good hoisting a provincial championship tro- a trophy. You could be in swim trunks. You don't care. You just want to win the thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey, good luck, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. It's great that you're still in the community giving back. Good luck to the Harvest City Reapers in Hoopla. I like the name, too. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, Atlee Simon joining us from earlier in the year. This is the Sports Cage Year in Review. Thanks to Sean Kleisinger for piecing all of these together. It takes a lot of work to go back and look at everything because we did a lot on the show this year. So much so I forgot to do uh, something earlier but we are going to do it now. It is our clutch performance of the night and since this is a live show, we can go well, kind of live. We can go back to Monday Night Football yesterday for my San Diego Chargers. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers to me, but they are the L.A. Chargers. They're going to the playoffs. Colts and their fans know they have an owner that's willing to spend money and try and make it right. As Foles is sacked on back-to-back plays. And this time it's Kenneth Murray. But a big point here in this game. From the one, first down and goal. Touchdown, Eckler. And the Chargers strike first tonight. Don't forget next week, a week from tonight, we will have Cincinnati hosting Buffalo and a big one in the AFC as Foles is wrapped up by Morgan Fox. Here is a sack by Khalil Mack. That'll be the fourth of the night. Chargers hurry it up. And off, and now he gets it here. Eckler, touchdown, Los Angeles. That'll do it. Chargers win it, and they are in the postseason for the first time since 2018 and the first time in the young career of Justin Herbert. Yeah, Joe Buck on the call there with Troy Aikman. The Chargers forced three interceptions, sacked Nick Foles seven times. By the way, Jeff Saturday said Foles will be their starting quarterback the rest of the year, barring an injury. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how Matt Ryan's going to go uh, moving forward in terms of his contract. Maybe he'll end up with the Jets or some other team. I don't think the Jets are going to stick with Zach Wilson. Anyway, the Chargers are in the playoffs, as Buck described there. Uh, Three interceptions, uh, seven sacks and they still only won 20-3. Their offense struggling a little bit uh, because of the O-line play. Can't run the ball spectacularly so that could hurt them in the playoffs. Right now they're uh, in a position to play Cincinnati but if they keep winning they'll play Jacksonville in the first round of the playoffs. That won't be an easy one either. The Jags are playing much better football as of late. Uh, in fact, I think I had them as number eight, my power ranking. I had Ravens 10, Chargers 9, number eight was the Jags. Then I think I had the Vikings, the Cowboys, I want to say the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, and the Bengals in my top 10. Oh, Eagles were in there too, sir. Eagles were four, uh, Bills, Chiefs, um, 
and then the Bengals. So there you go. And 49ers. Whatever. Anyway, I, screw, I sure screwed that up. Yeah. Well, listen. Listen. It's the end of the year. I'm allowed to make mistakes. So, yeah. So I had Ravens, Chargers, Jags, Vikings, Cowboys, Eagles at four Bills, three Chiefs, two Niners, one Bengals. So... Interesting times ahead still in the NFL, but the Chargers are your clutch performers of the night. Brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. We wrap the show up for this uh, Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage, a year in review brought to you by our friends at uh, Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. Here on 620. I love the smell of CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Good evening, everybody. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. You may have missed the news, so let's update you. The big news of the day... As far as the sports cage is concerned, may have seen it on social media as I posted it, and now I'm telling you verbally, the sports cage is changing for the first time since it started way back in the day. It will be a 3 to 6 show instead of 4 to 6.30. I always thought personally it was stupid and on a half an hour, uh, we did it because we'd sync it up with the Pats broadcast, but uh, I don't know whoever came up with the idea. It wasn't the, you know, the Pats aren't playing every night of the year, so why are we doing that? So we're moving it up. We're giving you more time, and we're moving it up. So it's a 3-6 to six show, so it moves up an hour instead of 4-6.30, to six thirty, and it goes an extra half an hour. So 3-6. to six. Tell all your friends, 936-6262, the number to text. Um... And, uh, yeah, you could text me that uh, that number, road conditions, because it's been raining off and on, snow is uh, about to fire up, want to be your eyes and ears, or or you can always call 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. Because the show's going to go 3 to 6, we will have uh, more features be able to cover the sports landscape and all the goings-on in Saskatchewan from border to border and beyond because we are your football station in this country. Nobody covers football in this country like 620 CKRM and the Sports Cage and CFL football. Everybody from other markets listens to this show if they're a CFL fan and we want to be the leaders there and continue to be the leaders. So 3 to 6 January 3rd it starts. Now we don't just talk football, we talk hockey we talk to different people in hockey like former NHL refs and current refs trying to cut their teeth like Brent Vandermeulen. I work out with him side by side from time to time over at our gym, the Brick House on Dudney Avenue. This guy is a referee in the Western Hockey League and the SJHL. This is a two-part interview to wrap things up. And I'll tell you what, this guy right here, he uh, he uh, can sing too. But let's get into uh, hockey talk first. So uh, my next guest is in studio and we'll get. he's here for two reasons. First off, we want to talk hockey. Uh, his hockey background, he's a referee both in the Western Hockey League and the SJHL. Friend of mine from the gym over there at the Brick House. This would be Brent Vandermeulen. How you doing, bud? 
doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Now, hey, do you got him on the right mic there, Zinger? Everything okay there? Okay, good. Okay. Okay. So, you are a Western Hockey League SJHL ref. Just to rewind a bit, you've been on my podcast before, but talk about how long have you been a referee? Uh, I'm on 24 years now. I started when I was 10 years old, and uh, I've uh, had a lot of time on the ice. Started out kind of both refing and linesing, mm-hmm. um, and then through most of my 20s was a referee in the SJHL, and uh, eventually kind of switched to linesing. And the last, I guess, four or five years now, I've been uh, linesing in, in both leagues. So do you have to be a better athlete to be a linesman or a referee? Uh, linesman for yeah. sure at, at this point now I mean those referees don't skate nearly as much as we do <laughs> a lot of skating <laughs> yeah, and you're the guys to jump in and break up fights right? absolutely yeah every yeah. every stoppage we're coming in off the blue line and skating icings all that stuff so uh, yeah lots of skating so you you hurt yourself in a game in Swift Current is that right you tripped in a rut or something I did yeah we were just like kind of watching was it a Pats game it was uh, no we were in Swift uh, I was Swift and Red Deer I okay believe. yeah and uh it was just a stupid accident, you know, it just happened to uh, catch an edge. It wasn't even during play. It was, you know, not a cool story or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, so you fell yeah. down in front of the crowd? Yeah. And did the they all get it down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they love that. And so what, you pop out your shoulder or what? Popped it out, yeah. Kind of did the whole, like, oh, my God, that hurt. And and then, um, you know, shoved it back in like I've seen in, you know, the football movies, right? And it's mm. like, put me back in, coach, right? Mm. And so... Uh, you know, I thought I could keep going, and then, um, you know, I went through the second period. We went into the second intermission, and, and the guys were like, dude, like, you, you can't go back out there. So, right. I, you know, sat the third out. But, mm. uh, yeah, I had a slow, I guess, start to the season, but uh, ramped up uh, in back in December. Okay, so that's a little bit of a direction. It's not your fault. Just get right into the yep. middle of it. Yeah, it's kind of, we've been tinkering with it in the afternoon. Behind the scenes stuff. We're taking you behind the scenes no here worries. on the sports cage. So, you are officiating the, the Game 7 between the Estevan Bruins and the Flin Flon Bombers on Friday, the SJHL Championship. Bombers haven't won since 92-93. Bruins haven't won the league since 1999. The, Centen- the Centennial Cup's going to be held right there in Estevan, that beautiful rink. Do you, even after all these years, do you, do you get nervous for a Game 7 like the players would? I mean, excited, nervous, obviously. Yeah. But um, you know what? We do this uh, so much throughout the season, just like the players. Um, it's just another game, and and certainly the uh, the fans will be hyped, and it'll be exciting. Yeah. Your heart will be pounding. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, we have a job to do, right? And, yeah. and that's why we do that job is because we're level headed, um, and we make got to make the right calls at the right time. So in, it's gonna in, be awesome. in that circuit, Brent. Is there, a, is there a rink that you prefer better than the others in terms of ice surface? We talk about falling in terms of sight lines, in terms of, like, and I'm talking lighting, everything like that. Is there something, one rink better than the other? Like, is that Estevan rink the cream of the crop? Uh, certainly it's beautiful. Um, I, you know what? I keep going back to uh, Yorkton, yeah. and, and I love it there. I've done a few kind of home-and-home games between uh, Yorkton and Melville. Yeah. You know, around New Year's, they'll have those home-and-home games, and and uh, both Melvin Yorkton show up, and it's great ice there, great atmosphere. They'll part, pack the barn, and uh, it's uh, it's hopping in there. So do you uh, do you like you got your uh, your, your flask there? Is yeah. that got protein shake? Like, are you getting ready to break up some fights on Friday night or what? Well, you just caught me in my gym time here, yeah. so uh, yeah. you know I got to get to the gym after yeah. this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, well well um, rested and ready to go. Yeah, ready to yeah. go. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. what's that like to jump in like? I've always wondered that when you got to break up a fight, what's that? What's that like? Do you do you let them go for a bit? Is it the refs' call? When do you jump in and do it? You know what? There's a, I guess there's a happy medium to you know if we have a really big uh, height difference, you know obviously there's a little bit more um, 
we need to be in there faster. You yeah, know, and and protect those guys. If it's, a, guys, mis- if right? it's a mismatch, exactly. Yeah, but um, no, you know what? Like the fans want to kind of see that intensity too, and so we're there for um, you know entertainment, but player safety, right? So um, you kind of read the play, um, you know, see what see what's going on, and and if there's you know. Uh, jersey over the head or you know something like that where we need to get in mm. then at that point we will but so uh have you ever taken one in the in the chops i have just recently actually just uh was that that was, moose my last was that moose game. oh the last pats yeah game. the last pats game of the year i took one in the in the teeth there and uh yeah i went to the you know bench and they they checked me out and you kind of feel around i've had blood or whatever and and you feel for the tooth and it's there so that's good and you know the lip was a little bit cut but nothing serious so you're do you like as a as a referee in the Western Hockey League or in amateur hockey, so you get your tooth knocked out. Do you got dental coverage? Like uh, not through your work, but through the league? Yeah, yeah. So well, both I guess, like uh, through work and yeah. the league um, combined. Yeah, like you're so, at the co-op refinery, yeah. but I'm talking. So you're an everyday man, which I like. But yeah. but like, does the league cover? Like you suppose you needed a root canal because some guy knocked out four of your teeth. Is the league going to cover it? I would hope so. Yeah. So I've had both. I've had ha- that happen actually. Um, the uh, a, both a puck and a stick in separate Ooh, yeah, situations. Yeah, puck. Yeah. And it was it was not good. It was uh, it, down in Estevan actually um, working a game down there, and I took a, a puck in the teeth and lost kind of like ninety percent of the tooth, and Ooh. and uh, yeah, so it was uh, an interesting ride home for sure too. But uh, yeah, you come back and get her tied up, and um, <laughs> eventually you're you're good to go again with the. So so you so on. that's interesting too. So so a team gets the puck and they're they're dumping it in, yeah. okay, and yeah. it hits you, yeah. Um, like obviously hit you in the in the teeth, but do you ever get? Do they hit you and then they get mad at you because they hit you? Do yeah. You ever get that? Of course, like and and more times than we probably should, to be honest. But uh, of course, we're not out there trying to get in the way, and, yeah. and we're doing everything we can to let the play continue. But uh, you know, we're four bodies on the ice, just like mm-hmm. like they are. So uh, you know, we're we're dancing around as best we can on the blue lines and whatnot. But uh, yeah, occasionally, of course, we get hit. So so has, has a deflection ever gone off of you? Into a play where the other where the team scored, like where there was a detriment to a team because no. of you. No, no, never had that happen. Um, been close, but yeah, uh, yeah never had it. Okay, so you don't like in in sports. I played on the Rams. I've played on hockey teams. You've played on sports. You don't like everybody on your team, okay? But you have to you know, wear the same jersey. Is it the same in officiating? I often wonder that. Like, do you get paired with the same guys, or are there sometimes you get paired with a guy you think's a knob that's uh, that's officiating with you or refing with you? Like, or you're like, oh god. No, you know what? We stupid are... Stan. I'm just making up a name here. <laughs> no, honestly, we're a tight brotherhood. We really yeah. are. Um, and the and like just everybody uh, is super close and and yeah you might have guys where you'll have maybe a, a rookie ref and a rookie linesman working with a veteran ref and a veteran linesman so you might have guys where you don't work with them as much yeah. um, but certainly uh, you know we all go to camp together we all come up together and we're all uh, trying to do the best we can as a team. How about? Um how about when you're on the ice? Do you catch yourself watching some of these studs? Like, how about Connor Bedard? Do you sometimes have to catch yourself like, whoa, like, wait a minute, uh, I better do my job? Because the kid's unbelievable. <laughs> certainly. Certainly is brief. you got to keep it brief. But, uh, I mean, the kid is unbelievable. Um, there's plenty of good times out there that uh, that you look around and you go, wow, like, these kids are eventually going to be playing in the NHL. And uh, it's just, it's neat to have that, I guess, um, relationship with them in yeah. some way, right? And, and uh, yeah, be able to look back in time and... 
So you did your first Western Hockey League playoff series. Um, how did you think you performed in that Moose Jaw Saskatoon affair? Really well. Yeah, I was uh, really happy. Um, had actually a number of close calls in the blue line, of course, with the uh, the coaches challenge now on the blue line. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just that much more pressure. I so guess, did they you challenge say. your call? They didn't. No. Okay, no, no challenge calls. It's only on goals. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, didn't have any of those issues, but certainly had a number of calls. Um, that were close, and then we can go back and and look at at the video and the clips and and uh, check them out. So uh, no, I was I was happy with. So my in the playoffs, when do you get graded? Like, is there a grade sheet when you get it? Like, how does that work after a game? Do they grade you automatically before the, or do they give you a a grade before you go to the next game? Or yeah, not so much graded as just uh, like things we did well and things we didn't do well. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, and it and it's like we're all good, I guess, at that yeah. level, right? But it's it's the small stuff that we have to uh, to pick apart and. Um, you know, with the referees, they're, uh, you know, kind of looking back at some of their calls that they made or maybe didn't make. Um, and, and same with the linesmen. So, um, yeah, not really a, a grade system or, or numbers or points or whatever yeah. you want to call it, but just plus. So you're in the Western Hockey League and then you go to the SJHL. The talent level is better in the Western Hockey League, and that's no disrespect to the SJHL. I mean, there's a little bit older older guys. Different, like, like it's just a different kind of uh, player in the SJHL. Both great leagues. Absolutely. But we were talking off the air about one critique is dropping the puck. There's different, like in the WHL, your fish, your fisher, uh, your review guy, he, you're, the guy who's reviewing your crew, yeah. he wants you to do it differently than, than maybe the SJHL guy who's reviewing you, right? Yeah, a little your bit. Crew that, chief. That goes, I mean, honestly, league to league to league to league. Uh, each league has different rules we have to be prepared yeah. for in any given game. Each league has a, maybe a different standard of holding or hooking or tripping or, um, you know, those kind of fouls. So that uh, that goes for face-offs as well a little bit. Um, you know, they like a little bit of a faster face-off in the, in the Western League. And More of like a scramble, just get them in, get them out type deal? Uh, they still want it fair, for sure. It needs to be fair. Um, but, you know, as compared to the SJ, the SJ is certainly much more, uh, I'll call it rigid. Structured. Um, yeah, structured and, and uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. And uh, any wasn't there fights in the one Moose Jaw Saskatoon game? Did you officiate that one? I didn't officiate that one. No. I thought there was a scrap in the last one or something. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah what's it like refing in that? The crush can was something else. They were on top of you. What's what's it like there in the spacious, beautiful mosaic place? Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard rumors of those uh, the crushed can yeah. games from the older guys. But you know, the newer rink is is beautiful as well. Mm. For sure, it's nice and. Uh, you know, they can pack it in there, too, and get loud. It's it's awesome. One of my favorite memories, uh, Moose Jaw Warrior game, I'm watching End Glass, and it's a playoff game, and uh, Jared Adams comes over the um, blue line, Pat's captain, and I'm standing next to his mom. And so he fires a slap shot, and it goes off a stick, yeah. and it goes over the glass, and we both look up, it hits the scoreboard at the end, comes down and hits her right in the nose and breaks her nose. Unreal. Breaks his own mom's <laughs> nose. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Right next, could have been me. Yeah. I saw him and said, hey, Captain Adams, thank God you broke your mom's. Man, that meatloaf must have sucked. <laughs> well, they, they warn you. I mean, they warn you at the games, right? And the big screen is yeah. like, pucks might be coming yeah. out of play. Like, yeah. You got to yeah. pay attention. So this guy works at the co-op refinery going on 10 years he's twisted steel he works out at the gym but ladies he's also a country music singer we're going to get to that on the other side of the break as we're going to play one of his tunes this is western hockey league sjhl great official brent vandermeulen and we'll get to his song in a moment this is the it's time to step into the radio octagon 
You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, this is my last time live in 2022. I want to thank everybody who's listened and made this show the number one sports show in the province. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And because of your support, the boss is up in the ivory tower said, you know, we got we to gotta expand this show. So we are moving the show from 4 to 6.30. It's going up to 3 o'clock now and expanding by a half an hour. So the new sports cage with new features. And uh, we're working on some other top-level contributors because we're going to make this, as we did last year, ballsy with his sidekick zinger, but ballsy and friends. That's how we're doing the show. Uh, the best guests, the best topics right here, covering all the local sports first and then expanding nationwide. Because you know we're your football station right here, the voice of the riders, the flagship station of the Canadian Football League or flagship team. And we're the station of the flagship team. Yeah, I know, Bombers, yada, yada. The team that drives the league is Canada's team, and we are the official voice, and we are the station other CFL markets, their fan bases, tune into to see what's going on. All right, so that is 3 to 6, January the 3rd. Tell all your friends. I'd like to wish you and yours a very uh, uh, safe rest of the holiday season. Hopefully you had a Merry Christmas and you have a Happy New Year. We will talk to you on January the 3rd. Zinger's in here tomorrow, though, for the continuation of our Sports Cage Year in Review. Uh, We'll wrap up today's show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries with the second half of our conversation with WHL and SJHL ref Brent Vandermeulen of Regina. Also... Country music guy. Listen to the song he sings. Continuing our chat with Brent Vandermeulen, who did a great, like, I'll tell you what, some guys uh, uh, picked up, uh, what was that, Joe Exotic, Tiger Tiger King or whatever, and did a yeah. bunch of that Netflix stuff. Yeah. Zinger over there, he's a Star Wars nerd. He watched every movie in the books. <laughs> Get out. You did, you loser. You watched <laughs> the old Milwaukee Bucks games from 1986 in the Bradley Center. Number 1971 champs, baby. That's right, and last year's champs, too. Yeah. And this guy right here, Brent Vandermeulen, uh, he's like, you know what? I'm bored. What am I going to do? I'm going to become a country star. So tell us about uh, getting into the world of country music. Have you always liked music? Always liked it, yeah. Honestly, some of the first memories I have of being a human is like at two <laughs> well, years I hope old. You're a human, uh, yeah. Three years old, right? Yeah. Was was uh, <laughs> listening to like Garth Brooks. Yeah. And Mary Chapin Carpenter were kind of the first two I remember. At you least know. you had good country stars. Yeah. I drove back. So we had an old. We went to Indian Head. That's where we drove over to Winnipeg for yeah. to visit family, and we had one of those long. Uh, station wagons with the wood paneling down the side and my brother and I would fight like cat and dogs. Our parents would stick us in the very back but it was one of those ones where you face traffic coming towards you so if they rear-ended you They, they'd end up in your lap, okay? And we listened to Don Williams and Loretta Lynn. There now, no disrespect to those country people, but I can only hear so much uh, Tulsa time. You know what I mean? I mean, 90s country, I still I argue, is, is the greatest. I love decade. it. I really think so. I mean, I was a millennial that that grew up in that, that era, that yeah. time with all those yeah. stars. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I fell in love with. So talk about, you've, you've got two songs that you wrote and produced. Uh, what, what was the second one? So the second one we're still working on right now, actually, but it's uh, it'll be called Golden Hour. Okay, um, is the one. I'm and this one's right kind of like a Saskatchewan anthem. It's called Three O Six. That's right. How long did it take you from the time you decided to write it to this time? Uh, it, you know, it got to the point where we can hear it now. Yeah, well, that was quite a bit longer, I will say. Um, 
that was about eight months, uh, just again, because of COVID partially. Yeah. Um, you know, I started writing this kind of early 21. Um, and uh, eventually we got it done by kind of the end of August, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, COVID threw a whole bunch of wrenches into the, into the, um, studio stuff and, and, uh, getting together with people to, re- you know, rehearse it and that kind yeah. of thing. So. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about the, cause you got a video to go with it and everything like that. But yeah. first you got it ready there, maestro. All right. We're going to roll this song. Brent Vandermeulen. Next time you're watching a Western hockey league game at the Brandt center and you want to boo the linesman, <laughs> think about the fact that this guy could probably sing at your next wedding or, uh, when you're on a date with him, who knows? I don't know if you have a girlfriend, but I'll, I'll get you a date before the show's done. That Let's hit it. Three Oh six. Fun. 
There you go. 306 from our buddy Brent Vandermeulen, and you're smiling like a butcher's dog over there. I love the fact that's what radio's all about, promoting Canadian talent, not only in football, hockey, whatever sport, but also country music. And we just brought sports and music together. So I got to ask you, did you... Did you? Because it takes some stones to to sing, and it takes some stones to want to produce something. And before you go down that road, spend the money. Did you kind of test it on friends and family and stuff? I did. Yeah, I kind of beta tested this a little bit. Uh, obviously, my first one. You know, a few close friends and uh, and family members just saying, "Hey, like, you know, you think this could go somewhere?" And and after you get you know twenty yeses, and you're like, "Okay, like maybe I should," you know pursue this right yeah. yeah awesome so and you did a video with this too you, you shot some of it at mosaic stadium how I long did. did that take yeah it was a quick shoot at, at the stadium i rented it for i guess three hours i think it was um a friend of mine hooked me up there and then uh yeah we went and found a, a grain elevator actually out in stony plain yeah sorry stony beach stony um, beach yeah and uh, yeah, that was a great location. Uh, got lucky with like a train going by and a bunch yeah, of just yeah. cool time. You just had to wing it, right? And the weather's got to be good and yeah. everything like that, right? Yeah, it was uh, awesome. That's awesome, man. So, um, and and that's why you're working the shutdown at the co-op refinery because it costs you some money to do this, right? Put my own cash on the line here, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, worked a few extra overtimes for sure to make this uh, make this happen. But, we're we're gonna yeah. try. I'll I'll try to twist my boss's arm to play it some more. Okay, cool. yeah. Um, but where can they where can they find this uh, thing? So as of tonight, I'm I'm guess crossing my fingers that I've done everything right. But yeah. uh, the distributor told me that it's coming out uh, tonight at midnight. So uh, yeah, May fifth yeah. um, was my uh, release date, and and so yeah, you'll be able to see it Spotify or sorry, hear it. Yeah, uh, Apple. Uh, yeah. Music, uh, Google Play, all that. Yeah. Those streaming services. Yeah. So, and so on. Yeah. And how about the video? Video, where same thing or video? I'm thinking I'm gonna hold for maybe like a week. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see. I'm yeah. getting anxious to show it too but you know i want to drive a little traffic to those uh, to those streaming services first yeah um you know see how that's going and then kind of just keep the the ball rolling with the with the video well keep us in the loop we'll try to help the best we can and uh, yeah that was fun man and uh, i've seen the video it's fun it's good it's a nice video right good on. job brother appreciate it today's sports cage has come to a close miss a segment download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca get your sports straight from the source 620 ckr